0: I'm a denim geek. A lot of our denim, we we only sell raw denim in our shop. It's just raw fabric made on these shuttle looms. They're very stiff is what I'm getting at. Cause a lot of our store, to be honest, and I tell people it's a little tricky cause some of the things we sell, you know, right now is going to be, these are going to feel like crap right now. <laughs> yeah. And so, so when you put them on, like they're, they're crunchy, they're stiff, like nothing about them. I'm not really doing a good job trying to sell these things, but <laughs> <laughs> I have. They have to trust in me. Right. My shot.
1: Welcome to another episode of Efficient by Design podcast. Uh, today we have Dustin again as a kind of co-host, and we have Brad Gad. Is that correct? I say your name. Yep. Brad Gad. Uh, yep. And uh, you own, operate, and started the Populous, um, what is the full name of the store, company? Populous company, Populous. Okay. Uh, and both. you are in Lethbridge, Alberta, uh, which is about, so we're in Summerland, BC, Canada, about four hours east of Vancouver, and you are another. We're good eight hours. Eight hours yeah. east of us. Yep. Yep. You got to go through the Rockies and then you hit the flat stuff. Flat stuff. Yeah. Yep. And how far is it from the border to the US border from you guys? Hour? Hour? About the same distance from the border then. Yeah. Yeah. Just north of Montana. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll talk through some business stuff. And uh, leather work is what a lot of what, what uh, Brad does. So I actually went on on your Instagram and your website because I was trying to, so it's a little context. Um, Dustin worked with Brad for how long?
2: Oh man, I was trying to think of this. I think somewhere around, it was two years ish 2017 i'm awful with dates so somewhere in that <laughs> ballpark company. yeah before we moved back to summerland so there was two three years in there often off. <laughs> it was a bit of a rodeo for yeah. a while yeah. there's two sitting ducks <laughs> after that <laughs>
0: yeah situation. Right. and uh yeah.
1: yeah yeah so dustin wears a ton of popular stuff i see him at all the time so we had discussions about well, Brad and his shop, and what he's done. Um, but in looking into your Instagram and your, your website, I looked for an about about us page mm-hmm. or like mission statement sort of stuff. I didn't find a huge amount. So, can you kind of give us the Cole's notes on like why you do what you do, what it is that you offer, what your motivation is, when you got into it, kind of background? Well, it's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> it's like five questions
2: in
0: <laughs> one. and uh, I worked on this a lot, so to answer that in two words. Um, I kind of geeked out from an old partner of mine uh he was a bit of a why guy and so he he really helped me and pushed me to develop into why we do what we do Mm -hmm. and so there were some books and stuff that we he always wanted us to read pushed us and and it kind of put me in a trajectory of really trying to understand why i do anything i do in life Mm -hmm. and if that's business or the things you like or whatever so I spent a lot of time kind of really diving into that, which is a really difficult thing to do, I found. Um, to like really I'm I'm not really great at articulating <laughs> things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I naturally will will kinda make that happen, but to put it into words, um not that great. So d- You're d- good
2: at mixing words. I've yes. always loved Brad Isms. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah, yeah. we'll come across a few in the process. <laughs> well, my my brother, sure my will. brother,
1: Brad is the same too. He, I feel like he's got a tiny vocabulary, but he uses it to say a ton and he says yeah. it in a really roundabout way, but he gets the point across. It's great.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm the same. <laughs> so anyways, shared delight. That's what comes, to, comes to mind when you said, why well, I do what I do and shared delight really come, comes to mind for me. Everything that, you know, I've, I've done and and it's kind of bled into my business work is I get really inspired by it. like even being here walking through what I got to see I got a little glimpse of of the shop and stuff and like like I'm just like this is so cool to me to come in and see the shop and what you're doing here Luke and so that fires me up and gets me excited and, and you know and just inspires me to do better mm. and so and I've kind of been that way my entire life you know working with you know collaborating with artists or brands or or whatever like I have to have that sort of spark I don't know if spark's the right word but yeah um but sharing in that so yeah. so sharing in someone's passion sharing in someone's you know and it, and it doesn't always have to be business it, it could be uh, like it could be anything mm-hmm. you know like I love rabbit holes mm-hmm. so <laughs> so yeah like i there was a lady that was got so excited and she had a this entire collection of like salt and pepper shakers (laughs) and and i and i saw her house i won't go too far into that story but like i was just like tell me more yeah (laughs) like you know so that's what i mean by rabbit holes but um Mm -hmm. Populous has allowed me to basically continue and work with um you know other like-minded people that we yeah. kind of share in some of these values so What's, what
1: sort of stuff do you sell at at your storefront i like guess leather goods is a, a bunch of it stuff that you guys yeah. make and then you a bunch of other clothing and clothing and
0: stuff like i i actually started the brand when i was in high school um and i was in like post not post-secondary but i was in art and i was always always had kind of a creative um brain i guess and me and my crew just kind of wanted to print our own shirts and have our own shirts just for fun. Mm. And so I kind of went down that rabbit hole and figuring out how to silkscreen, bought a silkscreen press, you know, kind of printed stuff out of my garage. Um, And we just made shirts and we, and I literally sold them out of the trunk of my car. (laughs) And uh, I do remember our, our uh, high school resource officer. (laughs) I come out of school one day and her squad cars parked behind my, 1983 Cavalier (laughs) and uh thought I was slinging something out of the back of my (laughs) vehicle because people kept coming up but but that's how we started we started doing apparel and uh did that for a number of years And, and that's where a lot of the collaboration started going I used to do a lot of the designs myself and then um started just working with other people um for kind of design work and and doing some fun little collaborations that way and then kind of fast forward uh, f- fell in love with leather. I, I, I kind of specifically remember leather, like anything leather just had this sort of value to it for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, like if you picked up grandpappy's bag and it had like leather handles yeah, yeah. or something and people like, oh, that's real leather, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it just always had this thing to me and, and, uh, an, an old boss of mine had uh, gifted me when I left his business, uh, this really beautiful, like canvas leather bag. And I still actually have it, still use it every day, actually and and it just was so meaningful to me and i just thought it was so cool and so i kind of wanted to just dive into leather because i just loved so many characteristics about it, it, it i mean it, the the aging process mm-hmm. um the story you know story is a big thing in my life like i love things that can tell a story you know mm-hmm. products people whatever so so that was a big part too mm-hmm. you know it's really neat that just like your tool belts i'm sure you both can be a roofer I mean, I don't know anything about the construction world, so excuse me, <laughs> but you know, like you and I can grab a tool belt and we know that in a year's time, my tool belt's going to look way different than yours. Yeah. It just right. will. And, and to me, I romanticize about those stories in mm-hmm. products. Um, So that's what attached me to leather, you know? That's cool. And uh, turns out my mom, we kind of tell a little bit more of a romantic story, maybe online, but my, my mom I found this old box of my mom's tools uh, and she used to do some leather work like in school when she was, you know, in her like 20s or something like that. Did you know that? No, I didn't growing up at all. Um, and so when she, when I found this, I just had this little kind of starter pack and it was all this like tandy leather yeah, tools yeah. and stuff, right? <laughs>
1: That's my first stuff too. Yeah.
0: And, and I, it's kind of neat because she had all these magazines from like the seventies and eighties, like mm. tandy leather yep. patterns and stuff like that. But so it's kind of neat. So I just, I, I actually started just making leather stuff, little little key fobs and little leather trinkets for friends. And and it was not part of the brand. It was just like, hmm. just out of kind of a necessity as we sort of talked about with your tool belts. Yeah, And I just wanted these things. And naturally, I think the first leather project probably anyone does is usually rather a key fob or a wallet or something yep. to hold your cards. Yeah, And so it, it just kind of clicked like we, we, we were still a pretty young brand, and and I was the brand was still really like I was still working another job. It was kind of just a side hustle, and it really was just an outlet, still a creative outlet for me. Mm-hmm. Like that's all it really was, and it was cool to like throw some money and just recycle it and yep. buy some more shirts or buy some hats or whatever. But I just fell in love with the craft and and wanted to like. It, I, I didn't feel that the t-shirt thing like it was fun doing the collaborations, but. Was like, I feel like we can do more here. Like I wanted to do more, mm. and I didn't love the idea. Like anybody can just go and buy some shirts and screen a logo on it, and yep. you know I'm a company. And you know we wanted to try to do something a little bit more. I don't know if custom is the right word, but let's say custom, um, just something better, I guess. Mm. And then that's where leatherwork came in. So now leatherwork is kind of our backbone of okay. really the brand. Sure, we do the t-shirt, hat, hoodie thing. Um, and I've dove into all those areas too, of of getting specific things manufactured for us, and and working with some, um, you know, factories and mills and stuff for for that as well. So there is still some of that custom element in that part of the business too. But um, I have no idea if I answered your question. I just yeah, no, to that's, a bit that that gives a, a ramble, but
1: a great bunch of context to it because it's it's interesting hearing kind of what your your start and just dabbling in something that you have interest in. That's yep. for yourself. Yep. Which is again what, what I did, yep. you know, and it, it probably wasn't for me until three years in that I started to feel like maybe this is something other people will actually want, and there's some value sure. here. I like I've I I struggle with imposter syndrome like crazy. I'm like I don't have oh a, yeah I don't have a bloody clue what I'm doing, but yeah, I've, yeah. I'm I've kind of <laughs> got this to a point that I'm happy with, and you know as a carpenter I'm fairly I have confidence in my building ability, uh, but even that took me you know, 15, 20 years to develop a, a level of confidence that I could stand my ground in a discussion or debate about a building practice and like be fairly certain of myself, um, you know, always asking questions of that. So when it came to a point where I'm like, okay, I think I actually might have something that other people might be interested in. I'm going to hold that with open hands, with fear and trembling, totally. you know, hoping that I'm not a complete totally. fraud, yeah, you know? yeah. and then you're like, okay, now I have to, I have to sell this. What do I, how much do I sell it for? what's fair, what actually allows me to keep moving forward versus like building something, selling it for cost for a buddy. I'm like, well, I actually need to buy more leather and actually buy a higher volume of it so that I can carry on and I need to buy a new piece of equipment. Like there's all the, if this is going to grow and go anywhere, right. you've got to price things in a way that, that allow you to move forward and sure. you don't just lose your shirt off your back.
0: Did, did you think and know a lot of those things before, like, were you already like, okay, so you made this tool belt, and you knew it's pretty badass, and and like, did all those things kind of right away? Like, is that entrepreneurial thought for you? Like, you were already okay, equipment, machine, lights, you know, like, right? Were you building that in right away, or is it more just at the time, at the moment? Right. Oh, I don't know. This is this seems fair.
1: No, it was. I think for my first started, so like you know, my journey to to build my own tool belt. um Kind of was this glimmer in the back of my mind when my current store-bought tool belt was worn out, and I was like, "This thing is used up." I wonder if I could build my own. Like that was right away my first thought was, "Could I do this myself? This that'd be cool. It'd be yeah. super cool to build my own leather tool belt." Um, and I've mentioned it in some other podcasts and stuff. Like I've I built my own acoustic guitar, and oh, I, I did cool. that to build one. Like I didn't I didn't build all the jigs and stuff to repeat. It. I'm like, I want to do one. I have my own custom custom builds. I'm not afraid of the attempt, and and my, my wife has spoken to us you know, in the past as well, that you know when I start to get a bit of an idea, I'll start to obsess about that. <laughs> yeah, so,
0: I can relate. <laughs> so
1: when I, when I first had the, the thought of building my own tool belt, it was like, okay, let's do some research and look at sewing machines and leather and rivets and hardware and all the stuff that I would need to, to basically get to a point. I convinced myself out of it. I'm like, the entry point is, is far too high. The expense is too high to justify, at this point in time, doing this to build myself one tool belt for myself. Right, right? yeah, yeah. So I kind of, I put that to bed and then I went on a year and a half search trying to find a tool belt and ordering stuff online, sending it back, getting custom made, And then got to the point where I got so fed up, I couldn't find what I wanted. And I'm like, I'm gonna build my own. I already kind of have some idea of what I need because I've done the research previously and I'll build my own. So, I mean, it was self-serving in that in that time and in that endeavor to just build myself my own tool belt. But in the back of my head, there's definitely what you what you said. There's definitely like, this could become something. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shoot for that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hope for it. I'm not gonna create infrastructure to like force that. I'm not gonna put all my eggs in that basket and invest a ton of money in this thing. Like, if it gets there, it gets there. You know, I can imi- imagine the future that maybe someday I'll we'll be in a position where that's what we did, but that'd be ridiculous. But it was kind of in the background. So like, as I continued to move forward. I was kind of keeping the whole idea um holding it with very open hands and like if this carries on on its own i'm fine with that i think i would know what the next step would be but i'm not going to force it sure right so it's like a very very cautious um approach to buying more materials and the big one was the first sewing machine the big harness stitcher but that was the first transition from you know the used local um like a heavy-duty upholstery machine that I found that could sew leather that I got for like 750 bucks. Okay. You know, and you you go, the transition from that to buying the first, you know, multi-thousand dollar harness stitcher was a big step. That was like the moment, like, okay, if I'm going to do this. I need to do it properly. And this is going to remove that barrier that I have of sewing currently. That will allow me to now remove that. And that's the first hurdle to kind of get over. Yeah. And once you start that, and you start to- It goes, right? You're like, I've, I've got a better product. Now I've got to remove the next- Hurdle. I gotta you know get around the next obstacle, and then it just kind of naturally, naturally grows. So, so it's kind of both end. Yeah. You know? Okay.
0: For for me, I think. And, well, I th- and I think honestly, as an entrepreneur, which is interesting to me, listening to that because you would do a lot of research. At, like I, I would, I would probably say I do research in you know like to some extent with my rabbit holes, as I said. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes. If I do too much research, like I, I almost like to ignorantly go into something because if I actually know the amount of work I'm going to have to <laughs> entail, yeah. Yeah. I would like you'd be nuts to get yeah. into this. Yeah. So, so sometimes I'm just like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I gotta do. I'm doing this. It's gonna happen. And and I, by and by doing that, and I, I can I can sympathize
1: and identify very very clearly in that I didn't look into how to sew so leather. I didn't look into how other bags were were made. Like, I'm like, I'm gonna reinvent the wheel, right? I'm right. gonna like, here's the machine that will do, what I need to do, now I gotta figure out how to do it. So I didn't have a mentor or someone that taught me how to sew, I'm like, I am completely self-taught, which meant that through my development phase, um, I stumbled onto all kinds of techniques that are like, I've become aware now, like those are kind of no-nos, things you wouldn't do and that don't make sense. <laughs> but because I found solutions to those obstacles, I ended up developing products that other people haven't manufactured in the same way that we do. So right. everything from like how our riveters work and how they're like incredibly uh, versatile and that within you know, pulling washers out and switching out anvils within a few seconds, I can shoot multiple different lengths of rivets uh, with different setting types without having to go from machine to machine to machine. So right. at one station, one riveter can shoot five different lengths of rivets with four different sets. And it takes a matter right. of seconds to switch it switch over. It Instead so of a
0: new machine
2: or whatever.
1: Yeah. So yeah. it's like some of those things, like, because I was totally ignorant of the norm, what the industry says, how this works, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, can we, what if I did this? I'm like, oh, no one's never done that before. I'm like, why not? No one just ever has. Right. Well, let's try it. Oh, shoot. It works really good. Cool. Okay. I guess that's, our, that's yeah, our deal now. Cool. So you kind of stumble your way along. And because you don't have that background and expertise, you end up reinventing the wheel in ways that, you know, people assumed weren't worthwhile and you end up with right. something unique and special. Cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite, a, quite a journey.
2: I think yeah. having worked with both of you, I can see a similarity between you both in a willingness to just try something and willing to make a mistake, willing to let sure. something crash, yeah. but also like having that energy to um, try is something I respect in both of you that I wish I had more of. I'm usually too chicken, and then I'm like, eh. And then I get to the excuse point, and I back off, and I don't even try it. But to see both of you guys kind of be willing to just stumble around and try, but in both of you, there's also this other experience of having other people join you and contribute enough to get you to the next thing, to get you to the next hurdle. And then another person, and it gets you to the next hurdle. So the two of you have this ability to, I think, to inspire other people to say, hey, this is where I'm going. And it generates some excitement and creates some gravity. And then other people that you need who can maybe see around a corner that you can't see come in and contribute something and collaborate with you. And I think that, that, um, I don't even have a name for it, that willingness that you can call it courage or you can call it naivety. Uh, both both (laughs) ignorance (laughs) ignorance whatever that is but i think it it draws people in and then you get a little community going Mm -hmm. and now you got a team and that i think for both of you you love that aspect Mm -hmm. like i know having worked with you brad that community aspect like you say the rabbit holes like i remember some of the things I enjoyed the most about working at Populous was being able to do things like the Belts and Bourbon events, sure. to have concerts in the in the shop, and there's just people that are friends of yours that you love, and you love what they do, whatever it is, salt and pepper shakers, soap, <laughs> cologne, yeah. you know all these different things, and you br- you find some way to bring them in to your space and to celebrate what they do, which draws another group of people in. And before you know it, you got a whole community of people that are just love being together and like belts and bourbon. You're making belts, you're drinking bourbon. Like it's awesome. I gotta come yeah. visit.
1: That sounds awesome.
2: Yeah, it is. it's a that's
0: a fun <laughs> night. That's a fun event. Super fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: The um the trans like was there a transition from another career, another job that you had to make um to to do this full time. Like you said, it was kind of a side hustle at one point. And like for me, I was running my construction company and doing this in evenings and weekends and early mornings, still running twelve guys and building subdivisions. And so for me, I was like, I I had a fallback strategy in a sense. You know, it's not like I sold my company, dump all my resources into this new endeavor and hope it works. Like I was basically able to like very slowly dip my toe in that pond and allow it to kind of build its own momentum and and pay for itself. Um, What was your what was your journey of like this becoming that your transition. full-time gig?
0: Um, yeah, I, I was. I, I, I grew up, I came from a bicycle background. I grew up racing bikes when I was a kid. I, I always worked jobs that were like a labor of love. I never really chased the dollar. I just, we had a lot of friends when I was younger. They would go and a lot of them being from the prairies, like a lot of them went up north and, and went into the patch and, and made money. And, and and I always I just I didn't want to do that and and so I worked in in bicycle shops growing up as a kid and loved it and 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 I was at a bicycle shop at the time managing and running that shop and I was kind of the owner's retirement plan was mm. was supposed to happen and and I was kind of running the the brand through that store so I had like a lot of control of mm. like the sales part of it but this is before the leather was a thing mm-hmm. And honestly, just through like a lot of luck, I guess, um, and I'm, I'm sure you could contest, I don't know if luck is the right word, but just meeting the right people, maybe at the right times. I had mm-hmm. met a, a, a partner of mine and he was a customer and was just really excited about the brand and stuff. And we ended up kind of joining. And it and it put us in a position where there was a a, a business that was up for sale that I was very uh not involved in but i guess in a way i was involved there was a, a skate and snowboard shop uh in in my hometown and i actually rented there was a little skateboard ramp and there's a little room and i rented a little eight i rented a room from them and i had an eight head silk screen press but i could only run three of the heads because the room was so small <laughs> anyway so i was very um like I knew that business, they were all friends of mine and there was a partnership that wasn't, that wasn't working. And uh, mm. so there's maybe an opportunity to buy into this. And then that's when this, this my business partner um, or my to be business partner teamed up and we bought that business. That's when I made that leap. So I, I left kind of what I thought I was gonna do. Mm. And then kind of like me and this guy were like, okay, we got a business like-
1: So it's kind of an all in transition. Yeah, Like we're done here, now yeah. you're doing this.
0: And, and I mean, I remember that like it was everything I've done up to that point was pretty, I don't know if calculated, but mm-hmm. kind of easy. Like I never really had like a, you know, holy shit, we got to do this. Yeah. Like this is like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So, but it puts a fire under your butt and you go and you kind of yeah. figure it out. But I was really lucky because we had the two of us. So um, I had a lot of retail experience. We got the store set up. Mm and then he was going to run the store and that gave me some time to like really dive into R&D of mm. this leather kind of thing that we wanted to maybe add and, and really try to figure out the brand of Populous. like it was kind of to the point where be- because where we're from is a small enough town a lot of people supported it um so I'm super thankful for that but it was like what's the next step like how do we mm-hmm how do we not just have friends and family buy this stuff? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, I would remember like going to a different city and I would see somebody wearing the shirt and I was like expecting to be like, oh, that's so-and-so. But mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, I don't know that person. That's cool. And then I was like, oh man, that is so cool. Yeah. And, and so that's what, like, I was like, what's next? Like, how do we actually turn this into like this non-sign hustle? Mm-hmm. So that when we bought that business that did allow me the time, to really develop uh, and learn because much like yourself i was self-taught yep. i didn't grow up in like the equestrian world or riding right. horses and you know and where we're from that anything leather um related that's really where that is like saddle makers and stuff yeah but they're they're kind of a dying breed and yeah you know and a lot of them yep. just do it themselves it's a private thing yeah so i didn't know how to do anything yep. but the nice thing with leathers, i mean you can have some pretty simple tools and you can kind of get some stuff done. Yeah. So I just spent, oh man, how like I would watch these YouTube videos, but half the time or videos, but half the time I wasn't really even watching what they're doing. I was like, like what, what's on the back shelf there? Like, right. what, what is that thing? Yeah. What does that do? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So the tools and stuff and, and yeah, same thing. Like I, I probably had a different perspective of how this would be done versus like, if you grew up, Doing it traditional way, kind of yep. to your point. Yeah. Um, as far as one
1: thing, I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit. So, Dustin mentioned to me, he's like, Yeah, I and mean, he, he, Populous isn't spelled properly. He's got a different spelling to it. I'm like, Didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that bad a speller. <laughs> Not a clue. <laughs> but what is, the, uh, what is the name of the company and why is it spelled the way that it is? What's the
0: origin of, of Populous? Of Populous. You know, essentially at the time, keep in mind, we were like, Sixteen years old or yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, but. <laughs> well, how are
1: we? Um, we're probably similar age. How old are you?
0: I'm 38. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, man. Damn. <laughs> I've got, I've got you by six years. Shoot. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so you're 16.
0: Yeah, yeah, something like that. I don't know. Like I think it was junior high or high school is kind of when I started this little thing. Yeah. But I had a a buddy that there's actually three of us that we did this when we started and and basically we just we we took the word populace and, and we were kind of like, we don't, we don't want to follow the sheep here. We mm-hmm. don't want to just make something that's like on trend or whatever. We just want to do our own thing. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where that shared delight comes from. Like, like mm. I would get into, I could see people and I just was it was like natural for me to see somebody like do their own thing. And that would always inspire me. And it could be like, mm. I don't even know. I it could give you the dumbest examples, but um, it essentially was just don't be popular, be populist. Just do you, do you, do your mm. thing you know and so i've always appreciated that like people that are unapologetically themselves they do what they mm. do you know they didn't get into xyz field because it was cool or yeah you could just see the authenticity in like what people did yeah and i love that like yeah. i'd feed off that so it was just a spin off of the word
2: popular cool. be yeah. populous.
1: yeah
2: and you- that that has led to in my short time of working with you led to so many really neat collaborations with people Like even, like I remember, uh, I can't remember his name, but one of the many pals that you had in Lethbridge that was a tattoo artist. Oh, Ro. Yeah, Yeah. have Ro come in. And I remember us filming him tattooing some of your wallets, you know, and you had this whole series of of leather wallets that people could buy that had a total one-off tattoo on it. And I remember sitting there and Ro was like, hey, you want to try? And (laughs) I was so stoked to try. And I in an instant was like so respectful and 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 astonished at tattoo artists for their ability to do what they do. Yes. And so terrified of like, I never want a tattoo ever because it was really? just, it was just a small piece of leather and I still have it in my bag actually. And I just tattooed a, just a flash like rose. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, followed Rose's example and like drew it out on the leather. And then and as soon as the tattoo gun came on, I remember like I can't feel anything. Oh yeah. Hmm. The vibration of it, you can't feel the end of the gun touching the leather. Like I'm used to pencil on paper and you have that friction. Dustin
1: is like a legit artist you're watching by the way. So this is coming from experience of somebody who's done a a pile of artwork over his life.
2: So yeah, it was it was terrifying. Think trying to draw something where you can't feel it. Yeah. And the vibration of the gun was just, and whoever's listening who does tattoo work, you're amazing. And to be able to do that on somebody's body, just it, so and, incredible. And, and just to back that up too, I, I have a whole bunch of tattoos
0: and, and I've never really understood it. And same thing, Rose like, give it a go. I think I tried to do like a smiley face. <laughs> like just, let's just, let's just start simple here. And it looked like I did it with my left foot. Yeah. <laughs> It is hard. I, I honestly, I mean, I've always had respect for those artists for sure, but I actually didn't know
2: how freaking hard it is. Oh, man. Anyways. I mean. Yeah. But that, like, that collaboration with Roe was, I remember just being like, this is so awesome. And uh, and I can't remember the guy's name who does the hats, the leather hats. Who was, I want to say Jackson or something. Oh, not leather. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jackson Howell. Yeah. Those hats again amazing and uh your buddy who builds custom motorcycles like there's all these kind of seemingly random inspirations of people close to you in your your world that do things that like you're saying just inspire you ignite yeah and then boom there's somehow populace gets in there and there's some collaboration exactly i love that
0: and that's where that shared delight like it's just so natural to me to see that yeah you know uh or or feel it and I like I want to be part of it I don't want to take from it I guess selfishly I do because it'll inspire me but Mm -hmm. like I I, I'm usually really naturally drawn to those people because I just get pretty excited about it like like I said walking through here I'm just like Mm -hmm. so many questions
1: (laughs) (laughs) what are your what are the highlights of like a good day at work and a customer comes in like what are like those highlight moments where you're like you know they're super stoked which then like you're super, you know, impressed with the, the experience and you're happy with what you provided for them. Like, what are those moments for you when someone in the, in the shop, like for, for me, for, for context, when I got other carpenters in here yeah, and because I've been on the tools for, for so many years, um, when someone puts on one of our tool belts, and they haven't worn something similar before. And I'm like, yeah, put that on. Like, okay, cool. I'm like, okay, now this tool goes here. I'm like, oh, oh, that fits. Like, oh, that's sweet. I've always hated it. Like, yeah, I know. And check this out. And I put the nail bar in there. Oh, that always rips my pants. Like, that's so awesome. Like, and the stick nails, there's a sheet for your stick nails. And and they drop those and like, I got to have it. Like, I've, I've, these are three things I've always hated. And I'm just like grinning ear to ear. So I'm like, I know, I hated it too. You yeah, know, so cool. like that excitement, you know, for me is just like, it's so, it's so contagious. And I've Firsthand experienced the frustration that they're they're used to, right. and to provide a solution to it
0: that they're excited about, like there's that's super super satisfying. I think me it, there there's kind of two that come to mind. One's more of a post-consumer thing, mm-hmm. and and because a lot of our store, to be honest, and I tell people it's a little tricky because some of the things we sell, you know, doing our denim and the boots, like right now is gonna be, these are gonna feel like crap right now. <laughs> so like, I sometimes so they, Explain that first. Cause like
1: this is, this is a world I'm unfamiliar with. Okay,
0: uh, we'll start with denim. I'm a denim geek and a lot of our denim, we, we only sell raw denim in our shop, raw and, and or salvaged denim. For those of you guys who don't know, it's just, it's just raw fabric made on these shuttle looms and they're very stiff is what I'm mm-hmm. getting at. So if you go buy denim today, They've been through all these sort of like acid wash cycles or chemical wash cycles, lots of water, blah blah blah. So for me, that like you just took like years off your pants right. to make them feel like pajamas. <laughs> yeah, and so, so
1: I'm glad I'm not wearing jeans right now.
0: <laughs> um, but but I also get it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. so like a lot of times there's a lot of education in a lot of the stuff that we do and we sell in our store, and especially because we're in a smaller town. So like raw salvage denim, these are terms that people are like, "Huh, like yeah, what." And then, and then I start talking, and they're just like, I just want to buy a pair of pants, man. Chill out. <laughs> but, uh, but but when you put them on, like they're they're crunchy, they're stiff, like nothing about them. <laughs> I'm not really doing a good job trying to sell these things, but <laughs> the, the neat thing, and again, going back to that story, is like if you and I bought the exact same pair of pants, in like a year's time, our pants are going to fit and look totally different. Mm-hmm. Because it's a raw fabric, it'll start to like kind of mold and form you and mm-hmm. break in, and if you you know, carry a phone in this pot. Like you'll, you'll see all these kind of details. Yeah. So I get a bit of the opposite. <laughs> I have, they have to trust in me at right. my shop in a lot yeah. of this stuff. And we do have like a bit of a wall of like all of our friends or, or my own denim on the wall and you can mm-hmm. kind of see and feel and touch and you can kind of understand like, okay, like, mm-hmm. trust me, you don't have to wear these cardboard pants like forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not all our pants are that way just for all the listeners, but a lot of them are. And um, so I guess that trust is is pretty cool yeah. to see that, yeah um boots are the same way like anybody who's ever owned like a full grain leather boot
1: mm-hmm.
0: or or I mean we're in Canada, anybody's bought new hockey skates, like they suck mm. when you put them on you got to break them in yeah so that that trust is kind of cool, yeah. you know when you get a lot of people trusting us but but really what I get really excited about is is kind of more that testimonial like mm. somebody will send us a picture on Instagram and be like like here's my wallet eight years ago yeah. and like it's fun to see because some of them like probably like you you maybe didn't have certain equipment or whatever and you're like yeah. oh man that's like a gen <laughs> one or a gen yeah. two thing like and you're yeah. kind of like, hey, cool like yeah. you know we've moved on yeah. and and our stuff is, is 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 pretty simple like uh simplicity is a big part of a philosophy for how we design our stuff but that's cool to me mm-hmm. you know um yeah. and then and then Prior to doing leather, I thought it was super cool just to see people in the wild in our gear and yeah. there's no connection. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I like kind of know him from high school or something like that. It's yeah. like, I don't know, I just thought this was super cool or Yeah. You know, like I, I, I don't do it anymore because I'll probably get cancelled if I do. But a lot of times I'd like go up to people and be asked them, Oh, like where'd you get that shirt? Tell me about it. Like just to try That's to get story, like a yeah. real opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. And it wasn't like, oh, I saw at the thrift store and it was three bucks. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh.
1: <laughs> so, so I've, had, I've had both of those. That's really funny. I, someone was wearing one of our, one of our. this is back from my construction days, my Acrobus construction. We had a bunch of you know shirts for the crew and he gives them mm-hmm. out. And uh, and somebody I didn't know from a hole in the ground, I saw in town wearing one of my Acrobus construction shirts. So I'm like, did you get that? Like, I don't sell these or nothing. It's like, oh, I found it started yeah, like oh, yeah. <laughs> that's probably one of the you know one of the few employees that I fired who's like forget this business and really? take their stuff there and then someone's someone's wearing it <laughs> and then on the flip side you know like I I now whenever I drive by a construction site I'm always like scoping the site seeing if someone's in one of our oh, one our of our belts
0: which is our belts yeah yeah yeah
1: and I and I, I see them more and more which is yeah. which is super cool and I same thing I'm tempted to be like hey you know I. If you if you don't know me from Holy ground, like what's the story of this? Where'd it come
0: from? What's your right. thoughts
1: on it? What are people saying? Like to kind of be the totally. fly on the wall and, and know what's up about it. It's uh
0: the thrifting really is like I did actually find a shirt in in Value Village on the rack and I I didn't know how to take it. Yeah.
2: Like is this <laughs> are we
0: vintage now? Yeah. Is this cool? Or does yeah. someone was like, This has got to get out of my closet, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. But but yeah, no, I I get that. Mm-hmm. Getting the 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 raw testimonial I think of your product and, and your, your work is mm.
2: so, like, to me, I'm just like, that's cool. Yeah. Well, Super I cool. got to see so many people come in the store, and I remember some guys that came in, they had no idea what the heck raw denim was mm-hmm. or Red Wing boots. They just, for whatever reason, were curious, came into the shop, and over the span of a couple of years, they're just wearing everything. <laughs> they'd yeah. come in, they'd buy... You know, whatever, whatever the initial gateway drug was yeah. for the populace experience. Because in your shop, you have, of course, all your leather goods, but then you have all these other seemingly random items that, like you say, tell a story and tell a unique story to the person who buys it. So it could be the raw denim. It could be this wicked Filson jacket. It could be some cologne or candles. Pottery. Pottery. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some awesome mug. And so you, you can't help in the shop, like spin around looking at all the cool stuff. But I'd see these guys come in, you'd go out and chat with them, and they're like, what's rod in them? You give them the nerd speech, mm-hmm. and it's kind of over their head. But what they love is like, wow, okay, these could be one of a kind jeans. Mm-hmm. And they go for it, they buy them. And then they send you photos, they come back in wearing the jeans and they're excited and they buy the boots and pretty soon (laughs) you're taking a photo of them outside the shop because they got They're in the tuxedo. They're They're in the the tuxedo, the denim denim tuxedo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I loved that because it was people kind of discovering that they could shed the whole fast fashion nonsense that they didn't even know they were sick of. Right. And be able to enter into something really intentional where they could go, man, I love the ability to tell a story with the jeans that I buy or the boots. Right. And they fall in love with it and they can't wait. In a sense, they can't wait to buy the next piece and somewhat annoyed that they last so long because right. you want to keep buying more right. pieces. Yeah. So it was fun for me to see people fall in love with that and enjoy that experience and it's it's impacted me ever since working there and i just actually went through my closet and just chucked like pretty much everything i'm down to like two pairs of pants yeah and it, <laughs> i just i just need to be able to get to populace and go pick up the pieces that i need
0: well and we were talking about it a little bit before just to kind of sidetrack a bit dustin but it does connect i would say as we were sort of chatting just the the quality aspect of things and and I worked in an industry before I did Populous that was very fast fashion. And it just felt so gross. And the whole industry was just constantly just stuffing brands and these things and, and, and then nowadays with the way information travels so quick. Like a lot of these kids that um you know we were maybe selling to, these brands we were selling to, by the time they even reached our store, like they were almost over it and there's already another new brand and, and really it was all the same shit. It was all the same crap different logos and it was still expensive too like it was Mm -hmm. and and as i dove into that whole fast fashion textile world i was just like man this is this is horrendous on our planet and just Uh it's just a gross thing and Uh um that's what really i had to make that transition like there was obviously some other factors that dust and i went through that um pushed me to to what i'm doing today specifically Mm -hmm. But when I got out of that industry, I, I wanted to build something that, like, I mean, we're all going to wear clothes, we, we we all consume things, but like, how can we do it better? Mm-hmm. And and that's how that "fewer, better things" slogan came up with our brand. But I I wanted to kind of jump on here and just say because because I know I actually don't know the price of of your stuff, but I could imagine what it is and. And having that conversation with our customers, because like like I've had this conversation with lots of customers, and maybe you have too, that oh man, I, I would love to have that, but I can't maybe afford it or mm-hmm. whatever. But I I, I kind of would argue that maybe you can't afford not to, because as we were sort of chatting earlier, it's like you know going and buying six pairs of Nikes or whatever it is a year, or Vans or whatever shoes you're wearing, or or whatever maybe. I don't know, PV mark tool belts you've been buying and you, and you <laughs> blast through them every season or yep. like you actually just spent more money yep. and you just wasted seven pairs of shoes that are now on a landfill or, or whatever the case is where you could have just done it once and you could have done it right. Mm-hmm. Also understanding like, yes. Okay. Dropping a thousand dollars on a tool belt when I don't, I don't even know what a, like, what's a PV Mart tool belt worth? Like oh, you, you can buy like hundred bucks, 50 you- bucks. 30, 40 bucks, you can buy it right. dirt cheap. You know, and it's leather, yeah. right? So people are yeah. like, well, this is leather, that's leather, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, and obviously, you know, I could go down rabbit holes in that whole thing, but but I I really think like, you know, obviously I need people to consume for my store to exist, mm-hmm. but I think naturally we will. And I think there's a, a better way to do that mm-hmm. in our life. Mm-hmm. And I kind of bite my tongue saying this a little bit because all my friends, because of my store, like sometimes Mr. Fewer Better Things over here has lots of better things. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> so I got to I gotta kind of reap what I sow a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that's important. And that is a big factor. And it's probably like you, why you got into doing this because I remember bu- spending quite a bit of money on this leather belt. And at the time I, it was like, I don't know, over a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And the thing lasted six months. And then as it was cracking, I could like rip it into two. Yeah. And it was like the super thin leather that was real leather, but like,
1: a I don't even know, like, like half
0: that. an ounce, like an ounce thick. Yeah. And then sewn together with some synthetic Yeah. stuff in there. And I was <laughs> like, I just paid like 140 bucks for this. This is yeah. a piece of crap. Yeah. And so probably like you, I was just like, I could, I think I could make a better belt mm-hmm. than this. hmm and uh and and i and i th- i think that is important i think changing the way people buy and think about and and i would say that shift is is happening mm-hmm. you know like i could see it in friends and i can see it in people and a lot of people are maybe asking more of those questions yep. i guess in my world that i'm more involved in but mm-hmm. just even generally with friends and stuff people yep. are like you know i think a little bit more conscious and i and i and i appreciate that and i and i hope people continue that you yep. know think about where their stuff is from how it's made you know versus just the number yep right
1: yep that's a it's a fascinating thing it brings like a bunch of things to mind for me in regards to our product and what we sell and why it's designed the way that it is, and you know how I market stuff and I mean, like a few things have just happened recently i had to deal with some emails recently where someone like bought a particular tool belt and turns out that it's it's uh It's a mini setup, so it's and it's tended to be fairly fairly minimalistic. And they want to do framing, and they're like, Ah, I'm a smaller one of your belts.
0: This is one of your belts, one of ours.
1: Yeah, and uh, turns out they're like, I should have bought the B Max instead of the B Mini, so it's a a smaller version of it. I'm like, totally get that. It's a, I mean, it comes down to how you work, your build, you know, how many tools and fasteners you carry. Like, it's not, you didn't make a, a wrong decision you know, there's maybe a more suitable belt for you. And like, you know, it's not out of the question if you if you need to, cause you've you've been wearing it for a few weeks that you couldn't resell it locally. You know, that wouldn't be bad and buy the one you want. And he was like, well, I'll probably keep it and I'll just get the B-Max as well. And I'm like, great. You know, yeah. I, like, I like that, yeah, it's, good for, it's good for business. But at the same time, I'm like, for me personally, just like you say, you know, fewer, better things. Well, for and tool belt, in the realm of tool belts, I've got, you know, a wide range of better things. For myself personally, I've got, I might have, you know, five different setups that I have for the different tasks that I do. And I'll grab the appropriate one for the task at hand. Right. And it suits me perfectly and, and performs perfectly in that scenario. And then when I'm doing something, I'm reframing. I'll grab a different setup. So it's nice where, you know, people see the value in it. And this isn't like a, a one size fits all. Here's one product that does everything. Right. Like, no, this is somewhat specialized. You know, there are, we have certain products that, Kind of will do a decent job of everything, but you, then you can get specialized and have particular products that will serve you super well in this particular area. and as you can afford it, it's great to kind of add to your collection, sure, and then you'll have a, a wide collection. And on the flip side, I also am very strong with people like don't don't spend money that you don't have. so I get I get quite regularly, I get requests from people. Do you offer payment plans? Oh, or yeah. your stuff? yeah and well, from a marketing standpoint, from sure making money. I'm like, Hey, that'd be a smart move. Yeah. You can buy our tool belts. You can make, you know, four or five payments over the next few months and pay it off.
0: Do you, do you do any of those app, like the afterpay or the, uh... no, no. And
1: I've, I've actually, for me with my own kind of conviction, I'm like, I I've intentionally not even gone down that rabbit hole because I, I want to foster in people, um, a characteristic that they can develop self-discipline to save up for oh, what cool. they need. Yeah, yeah, cool. Like, don't add one more payment plan to your list of payments on your card where you've got sure. your snowmobile and your sled, you've got your quad and your side by all your junk that you're making payments on and you're, you're living like a rich person with a ton of debt and payments. Like, no, save your money when you can afford it, buy it. And our product might not be for everybody. Sure. And that's okay. Yeah, You know, sure. if people have a, a list of priorities, that, for instance, I want the lightest setup I can get. Well, not leather then. Yeah. There's 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 high-end good fabric belts sure. that'll last a good long time and they're lighter. If that's your main priority, that's that's fine. Tweets their own. No, I, no hard feelings whatsoever. If you want to mix and match and throw our bags on another manufacturer's belt because it gives you the fit that works for your body and it helps your shoulders, like great. Yeah like I'm sure. I am i am genuinely for the customer because I was the customer, right? Like that's my my motivation. So I don't want to be complicit in people developing bad habits and taking on debt, not spending money they don't have. I want something that people get to actually suit the way that they work. When people come into the shop and they look at or on the website and you look at the the names of all the products, people are drawn to like the max versions of our products, right. the most expensive <laughs> stuff. And honestly, I I try to downsell people all the time. I'm like, what do you do for work? You don't, you don't need that. That's a monsterly, it's a huge setup. It's got way more storage than you need. It's going to get heavy. Like the product that costs half as much that we sell is exactly the same quality. It's going to be lighter. It's more streamlined. It's going to suit you better. You don't need all that. So get what you need and nothing more. If you want to add to it later, fine.
0: Have have you guys as a company, because we're starting to get it with their denim and- and i i almost don't want to ask this because i know when people ask me this as a business owner i'm like oh here's another faucet that i need to like wrap my head around but like uh like call it a resale or fostering like a resale of you know let's say you were a roofer and something happened and now you just have this you just don't use it anymore like Mm -hmm. is is there is is that a potential thing maybe in this business like have you guys got to that point where maybe you have customers that like i'm not in the i'm not in the field anymore Mm -hmm. Is there like a, I I know Filson used to do this too. Like they used to have some of their bags and they had like a Filson would, I don't think they do it anymore actually, but they would foster like a used Filson bag Mm -hmm. and do like a resale program.
1: There's nothing that we, we do ourselves.
0: Or or would you even want to get into that? That's the other thing.
1: Yeah. I mean that, you know, there's, there's, you know, just thinking on my feet that there's a potential, someone brings in, you know, a used up setup, and they would get a credit for it. It towards something else and then we'd resell it as a used product or something. Right. Like that's all possible. Um but like even right now I've I've it's a year ago it came up on Facebook and it's like Acrobat's on their fan page and it's like this online market that people have created where they oh, cool. have their old steps and they sell them and they talk about them and it's so, it's so already weird. already there. It's already there. So it's cool. weird and it's really weird to come in go into that when I came across it. I'm like, what is this? Like I can be a yeah. member and come in. I've seen people talk about their bags, what they used them for. And I'm doing this now and I've got this one. I'm looking for this one. And people are swapping stuff. And cool. this whole like community. market, this whole community cool. where people are are asking questions and finding out different little hacks for the bags and trade and stuff. So it's it's really, really neat that it's happened organically on its own. And from what I've seen so far, like virtually everything's been positive. Good. You know, and people when people do, you know, make a negative comment, usually it's like, yeah, it's 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 crazy heavy. Like, what did you what did you buy? What did you use it for? How much stuff did you put in it? Right. Okay. Well, for starters, that's not how I would recommend setting it up. And for what you do, that's not ideal. And in the end of the day, if you are, again, your first party is lightweight, then there's other options you can look yeah. at. No, no hard feelings. Yeah. That's yeah, totally fine. For sure. So, so yeah, it's kind of nice that that's happened organically on its own. Um,
0: then leave it that way. Leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> if that's already happening, then let yeah. it be that way.
1: Which which kind of like, that gets me into another, another topic, which is like, you know, what, what products do we offer, and what is the what is the cost in adding a product to the product line? Sure, you know, because we get asked for all kinds of stuff all the time. And our, our product line now, in regards to the trades world, is fairly it's fairly diverse. Like there's you know people like you know no one ever makes a tool belt for a plumber. Like, well, have a look at these bags. These are like carpenter bags, but you put these together in this way, and they should do everything that you need them to do. So, I'll, I'll, when people say that you know you make a bag for so and so trade. Like, well, what tools do you carry? Send me a picture of your tools. I'm like, oh, these two bags will carry everything. Oh, great. So you do have a plumber's bag. Like, no, we have enough models that we have bags that will carry your tools. Yeah. Um, so our product line is fairly complete. There's still a variety of things I want to add. But I do get requests for for stuff that is a little bit more specialized that we don't offer. And you have to weigh out, okay, is this actually a product I do want to add to our lineup? Because there is there enough market, enough need for it? or does this stay on the fringe of what we offer and it becomes what we would basically do in our custom builds. So for instance our the way that our our online store works is that our online store is now staying open so people can buy any stock product at any time. But then on the first Wednesday of each month our online store opens in a different way and it gives access to about 60 custom spots. So people can get a different color scheme, they can get laser engraving done, they can actually reconfigure where the parts and stuff on their bags. So they have oh, access cool. to like I'm I'm a mixed handedness. You know, I, this is a really weird one that's become, it's way more common than I thought it was, where guys swing their hammer with their right hand, but they write with their left hand. Okay. Well, that's super bizarre, super weird. And as soon as you do that, your tools are all screwed up. Sure. Right. So for us, for instance, like you always use your rafter square for squaring lines and doing rafter cuts. You use that in the opposite hand, you carry your pencil in. Right. So all of a sudden now the rafter square slot is on their right side with their hammer which completely changes the designs of the bags. So we have built this whole custom feature into our website where we, we take on a set number of orders each month and people can customize them. Now, some people they just want, they're like, I want an extra loop here. Like they get somewhat vain about it. It's a custom bag, I'm doing whatever the heck I want. And we kind of have boundaries to what we offer too. Um, but the reason that we have the custom option is so that people who actually have a need for a particular layout can get it. And then we'll work with them through email and the odd time of phone call. And we'll build them a custom rig. So it's like, what products do we add that are stock? Because there's enough demand in the market to justify it. Because as soon as we add a stock product, as you're aware of, okay, now I've got to we've got to make templates for these leather parts that we've designed. I have to send those away and get dies made to mm-hmm. for our presses to punch those pieces out. Then I have to make lexan templates and instruction manuals and train staff and develop this whole infrastructure on the back end just to you know, repeatedly produce that part the exact same way. And this isn't, have I mentioned what happens online? Well, then we have to get our photography all done and right. build new product pages. Yeah, yeah. And are we offering left-handed and right-handed? What variations does this product have <laughs> that we add? Like it's just like you add one thing, and it's this whole Boom. world of development yeah. and cost and time to put something out that we sell three of those a month. Like, yeah. Well, that that's <laughs> and well, that I
0: mean Dustin worked in our shop. And and obviously our shop's a little bit different. We are we have a retail. Uh, store you walk in you can come in and then we kind of strategically purposely built our leather shop in the middle of our retail store mm. so so there's kind of this like shittery of a mess in the middle of our <laughs> store of tools and stuff i don't know can i say that okay and uh but like people could see us working so so it's cool like we we want it to be transparent like we make this stuff mm-hmm. and uh but but it's also immediately oh, you're a custom leather shop, eh? Like, ah, here we go. <laughs> so every day, every yeah. day, you know, we get asked, you know, and a lot of people would be like, well, geez, like there must be a market for custom leather. And I'm like, and as you would know, which I actually really appreciate walking around uh, your space. Like I, I, we've really tried to design a lot of our products to be as simple and functional as possible mm-hmm. and and still maintain that quality. Like those are like the three, things and 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 kind of timeless is another one but i love how you've built this because i i really get it like here's kind of like your your staples and then you can kind of like add or take away Mm -hmm. to really have this kind of custom experience without having the custom the custom experience because you you, you've you've set up everything to be pretty streamlined you know like with your stations and, and how it's set up and so when dustin even today i I forget his name and i'm sorry if he's he does the custom stuff zach zach yeah and he's like yeah he he's kind of like the custom division and and yep. does that and stuff and because i've get i get roped in i'm a hard i need to honor my customers and actually tell them no yeah <laughs> and and i and i still kind of get roped into these things yeah but as you know like to do a custom thing the r&d the like everything oh. like you got to make it Sometimes five, six times to get it right. Yeah, and 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 you probably have X, Y, Z on your shelves that you need stock of. But yeah, and and we have a way smaller operation. So for us, like there's only a few of us at our shop, and Mm -hmm. and you know we all wear many hats. So that time, like to spend that, and then to sell them, like really, I should be charging them a thousand dollars for that wallet. Well, I won't, and I (laughs) and I can't. Yeah, where I I. Geez, like we're always out of belts. We're always out of this. Like, yeah. why are we entertaining this? And I get sucked into it. But um, I think it's kind of neat that you are developing that as, as long as from a, from an entrepreneurial or business side of it, mm-hmm. can you still make it not interrupt yeah. flow? Can you still make it make yeah. dollars and cents? That's kind of yeah. cool.
1: Yeah, we've had to definitely structure that in in a way to, and put boundaries on it to, to actually make it feasible. Yeah. Um, and still, I still want to have it affordable. Right. And at the end of the day, we we won't we won't be nearly as profitable in our custom builds, but it, to me, it's important enough to offer that to the to the customer because there's people who really need it. They just can't get what they need. Yeah. Now that opens up the door to people who just want to be vain and get whatever the heck they whatever the heck they want. And there's the odd time we end up with a customer that's a it's a lot of work. And there's the odd time we have to say, you know what, I think we're at a point now in this our communications with after these forty emails back and forth that we got to call it and. Uh, We've got to say that, you know, we'll refund your money and, and this isn't going to work out, so yeah. this doesn't work. And knowing as a business owner, when to say no, like that's when I talk to other people who are looking at starting their own business, getting into things, one of the biggest pieces of business advice I give anybody is like, you have to know what your boundaries are and when to say no to things. Because right. if you can't say no, you'll end up being spread so thin, you will keep your word, you won't enjoy your job, yeah. you're, you're going you're gonna to hate it. Yeah. And you're going to burn your reputation to the ground. Um, a friend of mine actually who was surfing with the last few days um, was talking about, he's building a house and the electrician that he ended up getting on the job promised him the world and then um, wouldn't show up. And it's just completely screwed his entire timeline for his project because he couldn't say no when he should have said no. And now every single sub trade is hosed because the right. electrician.
0: Boom, 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 boom. Just yeah, domino effect.
1: Yeah. And you schedule, okay, we got our, our garage doors coming in and this is happening, this is happening. Like you got to be here. I've got these things are all stacked up. I will be there. If, if, and if it doesn't happen, we're hosed. Well, if it doesn't happen. Garage doors don't come in. Can't get heat. Like it just—it's yeah. such a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And he's like, I will never recommend this guy. Yeah. You know. Um, so knowing how and when to say no to people is so so important. And but you hear all the time, business owners are like you can't turn down work. Mm-hmm. Soon as I hear that, I'm like, what are you talking about? You have to turn, turn down, down work. work. And it yeah. sucks. And people might be mad. Yeah. But if you don't, you're gonna be so screwed. And so. it's scary. Like
2: <laughs> yeah. When when Chris and I started our photography business, you know, when you're first starting something out, you kind of have an idea of like where you stand and where you're wanting to go. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the beginning, as a photographer, especially when you're doing weddings, your main competition is the uncle. Oh, my uncle's got a <laughs> camera. He can do it for free. Why? Why can't you do it? And so, at first, you kind of got to you got to learn the the territory and you got to figure it out but after a while you have to say no to when that potential customer comes along and they're like hey can you just come for like the family photos and just do that after a while you're like no uh, number one i can't because i don't like you for all the reasons you're just saying but i also don't want to sure because yeah. i want to be this you know yeah. i want our company to be this and it was really cool in the you know three years of running our photography business to slowly get to that point where you can confidently be like, no, I'm not, that's not the work that I do. This is the work that I do. And eventually get to the point you start kind of trying to serve everybody because you're just trying to figure where you stand. Hot mess. Hot mess. (laughs) But then slowly you're like, no. And for us in our business, we got to the point where we're like, we do this and we loved this. And pretty soon the customer we got loved it as well. And, and then, it'll attract yeah. that, right? Like
0: it it it, it snowballs and attracts that. Yeah. You know, I, when we started, there was lots of times when I started, it was like out of necessity, like sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You do what
0: you gotta do. You know? And then yeah, you just develop that that stuff and you you really figure out where your time, all, all that kind of stuff is. And and some and and like, you know, you kind of touch on it, like sometimes some customers with all due respect to all of our customers, sometimes you have to kind of fire a customer sometimes, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't <laughs> totally. know if it's for life, but like sometimes yeah. in certain projects, you just have to, Hey man, like, you know, this is it. Like, this is what we do, you yeah. know, nothing more, nothing less. Like we're, yeah. you know, here's kind of what we do. So, so I get that. Um, I have a question, Luke, walking through your shop and I'm seeing it and, and I, and I, and we as a brand, um, you know, we're, we're kind of at this interesting point, I feel like a little bit Uh COVID obviously kind of put a, a thing, you know, mm-hmm. probably in a lot of people's, bit. like for our business, we kind of just existed. We weren't really like dying this slow death, but we definitely weren't growing, you know, mm-hmm. so we're still kind of coming off of that. But was there a point um with you? Cause as, as we discussed, I can't remember if this was on air or not, but when we were chatting, you know, you, you kind of had your garage set up and, mm-hmm. and you were doing this after hours or after your job. And then, you know, it started organically going, you started this company. So I don't know, we we walked through today, maybe I saw, I don't know, 15 people maybe work for you now. Oh, 12, I think, yeah. 12, okay. So was there there this little, was there this kind of moment, um, I don't know if it's that aha moment, but like when you went from you, like did it organically go to Mm. Two, three, then five, then six, or was it like, man, we've been running this like five man crew?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like we 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 as a brand, we're we're too small to be big, and we're we're too big to right. be small. Like we're yeah. kind of the and and so like there's some certain. A lot of our guys right now, we're wearing a lot of hats, and and I also know that's just not efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, like to be efficient to kind of focus our roles and do it. Yeah, but not all the time. You know the the sales or whatever can back or justify like oh hey here's our marketing department here's our shipping and receiving here's manufacturing here's r&d like
1: yeah
0: and and it's super cool for me and dustin like i said we walk through and it's like you know like here here's this here's shipping here's custom you know so cool Mm -hmm. and and we're at a point with my company like when do we do that like did did you have a my question is did you have a point where like maybe okay here, here's the the big picture. It's exactly what I want, mm-hmm. and we need, you know, X, Y, and Z, and yeah. X, Y, and Z is going to cost this. So we need to raise this capital, yeah. and we're going to just go with that right. and take capital from somewhere. Or was it all like, just the orders were coming in and it was all there, and we just had yeah. to? Um, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it was it was a super organic uh, journey for me, and um, again, this is the thing I, I touched on in a, a podcast. Previously, maybe it'll be in a. Depends what we slotted into the shows. Maybe it'll be a future one, but uh, there was a moment on a on a job uh, that kind of speaks to a lesson that I learned, um, which basically had to do with a couple of my lead hands and I was framing. And at that point in time, I was head honcho of my company. I made all the decisions. I micromanaged everything. Had a great crew, but it was everything came through me. Like no one else made a call, and. I am a homeowner at one point. After I'd sent a couple of guys out to their to their project, called me back after they'd done some back framing and stuff. And they, thanks so much, guys. are great. It's awesome. Do you, do you know that your guys are terrified to make a decision? Hey. Hmm. Oh, well. And, and inside, I was like, "Well, oh, damn right, I'm their boss. <laughs> oh, yeah. I make the decisions." It's sure. kind of what I thought, you know, for a split second in the back of my head. But right away, I felt guilty. I'm like, "Oh shoot, I've I've done my guys a disservice by." Making sure that I'm, and this kind of comes out of my own security in a sense that I've got to make all the decisions because it's my name on it. It's my company. Right. I, if anything's wrong, it's got to be my fault. I don't want to be fixing a mistake that my company is responsible for that one of my guys made, you know? So there was this moment where I i had to kind of shift gears. I'm like, I, if I want this thing to grow and want to keep moving forward, I actually have to start stepping back, empowering my guys, deal with the consequences that are going to suck sometimes. because They're going to make mistakes I got to pay for. Sure. I'll have to have the odd, hard discussion with the customer, um, but in the end of the day, they'll learn, they'll develop confidence, and then I can actually focus my efforts in other areas and work to a position over a couple of years where they were running my jobs with with crews that I'd hired, and I'd be running a job, and then I'd get myself freed up, and I'd go to their jobs that they're running, and I could t- walk on site and be like, how do you want me to help? You want me to go strip races or bang up some walls? Yeah. You want what sheeting? do you, what, what you want me to do? And they're like, oh, awesome, Luke here. He can come help and take care of that. And they, they put me to work versus me showing up like, okay, I'm here now. You know, I'll take the plans and finish layout. You can go start sheeting. You know, and I, that was a huge transition for me to, to build into the company in a way that was sustainable, shared the load and freed me up and ended up being better for everybody. But that took a ton of like humility and a, kind of a risk on my part to be willing to go through the potential crap that might come as a result that I wasn't in control of. Right. So that was a lesson I learned, you know, quite a few years ago. And so with the, with the leather company and because it was kind of running parallel with my construction company and I was, you know, I got to the point where I'm like, you know, in the beginning I'm, I'm taking orders.
0: (laughs) Is your construction company to cut in? Is it,
1: is it wrapped
0: up? Yeah. Okay. So this is hundred percent. But two and a
1: half years ago, we we, we wrapped that up and that that's a whole other story, but it kind of it's really, really cool how that all kind of tied up in the end and, and how things finished. Um, but yeah, this is all that we do now. Um, but for a period of time, I had my, you know, 12, 12 guys running, two or three crews, and I was evenings, weekends, getting away some afternoons to do leatherwork stuff and taking orders through email. And I'm doing all the sewing. I'm doing all the cutting, like by hand on my floor at times. I'm building them. I'm shipping them through Canada Post's website, like doing it all myself at the point where i'm like i need some assistance because in order for this to grow anywhere i've I'm maxed out i yeah. can only do you know this many orders at this point so then one of my one of my employees my framers had shown when i first bought my first sewing machine i was going to build leather tool belt he's like you what are you doing I'm like i'm going to build my own leather tool belt he's like, oh, i've always wanted to do leather work i'm so jealous he was so <laughs> jealous of this and uh, so the time came where i'm like i can use some help I'm like, joe I'm like, joe what do you think about kind of Phasing out of, or even working part time with me in the leather shop. Oh, I'd love that. Okay, so it was the two of us. We had like one sewing machine and one riveter, and we're like we kind of tag team, and so it was the two of us kind of doing that together. And then I slowly ended up taking him on full time, and then my brother started coming in helping out, and so we slowly started to kind of build a crew to work in that in that realm. And then I was doing all the shipping, and still a ton of sewing. and then we got to the point where that just kind of grew and grew and grew and we ended up maxing out my home shop with five people and I was doing all the shipping, all the custom orders, all the communication, but I had, you know, three or four people that were doing the cutting and the assembly of all the products. And then I got into this building, um, cause we'd outgrown that space. And then I got to the point, I'm like, I'm, I'm now at that position where I can no longer do all the communication, do all the shipping. I have to start delegating out responsibility. That has been my responsibility exclusively. So there's a moment where I'm like, I had Dustin's wife, Christy, that works in the back, where I'm like, the next phase of this business is me starting to pass off sure. my responsibilities. Yep. So what do you think about taking on more of a management role in the back of the shop and kind of helping supervise and take and, care of stuff?
0: And financially, was that was easy to do?
1: Yeah, because, I mean, the way it worked out is that um, basically some of her tasks, she would just, not so quite as much and start taking over some of the other things then I, you know adjust pace. So it was a very organic, slow shift and there wasn't any time where I had to take a bunch of capital or dump a bunch of money into it. I basically took the people that I had hired and shifted them into other roles and trained them up and passed on responsibilities. So okay. so basically I took Christy and she started taking over kind of more of the human relations stuff and safety stuff and um, our safety meetings and kind of management of the employees. So kind of more of a management role. I ended up taken Nick who had framed with me um, back when I was framing and he came in as a sewer. And then I started tra- training him up to do shipping and slowly passed that over Sure. and kind of, then he was the shipper. So he'd ship, like like right now he's probably shipping two thirds of the time, sewing one third of the time. And then um, the most are you, recent Are one, you
0: always very transparent with your employees of like, mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to develop, we're always trying to develop roles mm-hmm. in our our yep. company. So So with him, like, in his job description, mm-hmm. is it like, you know, you're, you're shipping with support of sewing yeah. or, yeah. or, or is everyone kind of like, uh, you know, I'm just kind of here to help. Like,
1: yeah, no, we, we defined that uh, there came a point where it's like, you know, Christy was the first one to create that position okay. and to kind of define those responsibilities. And we're still working to like, you know, build out job descriptions more specifically as we kind of, cause it's so new, we don't know what that, that position is going to fully entail. It's like, it's this for now. And then we'll kind of keep that open ended. We'll kind of define that more and more. And the the bigger they get, the more official things become. The more you have to define those specifics, so there's no gray areas. Where it's like, you know, well, whose responsibility is that? I didn't think it was mine. Is it yours? And then there's right. discussion and difficulty. Um, so we continue to, to try and define that more uh, as far as rules and and uh, job descriptions. But yeah, with Nick, for instance, it's like, hey, no, we're gonna take you on. I'm gonna adjust your position and you know your pay stuff, and you'll become the shipper. And you'll have the support of this person you'll communicate with this person and here's how the website works and train them up on that to the point that, you know, now if I have to go do a day of shipping, I'm like, Nick, how's this work? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. no longer the expert in that realm. If I sit down at a sewing machine now, there's, you know, half a dozen people that can sew circles around me, sure. you know, they're, they're way quicker. Um, and then the, the most recent one, which is a difficult one was passing on the custom stuff. So I'm like, here's like, here's what I have built, what I have done. And now I'm passing on that communication to somebody else, yeah. you know, who Zach is also, he's not a tradesman, he's not a carpenter. So I've got to kind of like educate him in that realm to the degree that is necessary for him to interpret sure, people's to requests. Yeah, yeah. And keep an open door with him. Like you come and talk to me, anytime that there's something new that we haven't done before, that's outside there asking about a tool, you don't know what it is, like we'll all take part in that. But in passing on communications from him and then in the storefront, most recently is, is bringing in Dustin. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he's done you know, work with you and uh, storefront stuff and retail, which I have no experience in. So this guy's a Swiss army knife. It's great, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, and, and so again, now I'm in the storefront having passed it on. And through this whole process, I've also been the, the builder. Mm-hmm. I've been the laborer. I've renovated the entire building by myself and sided it and flooring and done all the work. Right. So I'm on the tools all the time. Um, and I basically, as of about a month ago, wrapped that up. And then I brought Dustin in and he's kind of taken over the storefront. So now I've kind of worked myself out of the production (laughs) space, out of the shipping, out of the management, out of the custom orders. um, And now I'm passing over kind of the storefront that we've kind of developing together. And he has way more expertise in it. So now I'm like, my afternoons are spent assisting him in the storefront, working with customers in here. Mornings, I'm like doing lots of computer work and communications and paying bills and stuff. But I'm starting to like, what is my next phase? What is my next... Right, what is my my job description going to look like? And I look forward to like as I get freed up. Let me jump back on a sewing machine. Let me be a laborer. Yeah, get back in there and, and sew some more and kind of take part in that again because it's a weird thing to be now finished on the tools. The space is done. You know, there's we're doing podcasts now. You know, yeah, this is a whole new cool. new part. So yeah. it's been it's been quite the journey. But there wasn't any like moment where there was like this big scary shift. It was all like. Everything that we have purchased and done has come from the profit that we've made and been reinvested in the company. Okay. Over and over and over. The only debt we've taken on is the purchase of the property, which we got for a song because a piece of junk.
0: And then it's beautiful in here. I told Dustin, uh, "This is a new building." Yeah. And then he, he told me, but anyways, yeah. yeah.
1: So that that whole process of then you know making it look new of my own you know sweat equity and uh, and put it all together. So so yeah, it's been been quite the. Quite the journey, and it's been very organic, and it's basically been just reinvestment of profit over and over and over okay. and over. Yeah, yeah, cool. To get the place now where it's like, hey, now it's kind of like it's settled, it's kind of done. What's the next it's chapter? Chapter.
0: Yeah. It's. I find it, and it's really cool to, to hear you say it. I find it, and, and and this is a thing that probably any entrepreneur, any business owner. It, i find it so difficult I, I grew up playing sports and stuff and 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 i and i played some leadership roles in those sports and, and i'm like a trenches guy you mm. know like i, I kind of want to be in the trenches with them and i lead that way
2: yeah
0: uh what, what's really difficult from a business perspective it, it's not natural for like talking to you and seeing your shop you can tell you're a pretty systematic guy mm. you know and i love systems i'm not necessarily great at creating them and i had a business partner at the time that was was really good at that. Like he was a very systematic guy. I, I'm way more of a creative guy. Mm-hmm. And so we thought there was this brilliant marriage of like systematic and, and whatever. And it ended up kind of putting me into this little box that I didn't want to be in and it mm-hmm. didn't work. But um, it, it it's neat to hear you say that, that saying of like working like on your business, not in your business where I'm, I feel like I'm constantly kind of in my business mm-hmm. where I need to step back and be like, Mm-hmm. You know why am I doing this? Someone else should be doing this. You should be, you know. But I'm such a trenches guy that it, it's, it, it's really like hard. a it's, it's this natural. Uh, it's like hard for me to do mm-hmm. that, yeah. and uh and it's really neat. Like you could tell that you've had to do that here. I mean, as a company grows, and we're at this weird transition with with our shop, where like there's kind of this next phase, and and mm-hmm. there needs to be some investment in and in probably some some um, extra people. And some roles maybe divided up where, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it's like, we can't afford to, but maybe we can't afford not to, you know, right. like maybe we need to go and do this. And yeah. we, I've kind of, our business is very similar in the sense of everything's been very organic, you know, yeah. like we haven't just, you know, jumped off a cliff and sent it into this, right, you know, direction. Yeah.
1: And there's those seasons, like the one that you're in. You're not sure how long that season's going to be till the next door opens up, mm-hmm. and that opportunity is. You like, I've been looking for this, waiting for this, and now the opportunity's here. Yeah. You said earlier about how you felt very lucky through your through your process, and that's one thing that I I kind of push back on, and I I do believe in luck and chance, but I also one of my favorite sayings I've talked about before is is from The Incredibles. This quote says Ed, Edna Mode says luck favors the prepared. Yeah, I'm just going to uh, say it. Luck is it. when
0: yeah preparedness yeah. meets. Opportunity. Yeah. opportunity yeah.
1: yeah. So you're like, you're looking at your situation. You're aware of what would be helpful at the moment. And then you're sensitive to when that opportunity opens up in front of you. Oh, this is that thing. And I'm not going to like grab a hold of it. I'm going to like open the door a crack and yeah. start moving that direction yeah. carefully sure. and see if that, you know, yeah. gains this momentum and, and works out. Um, and with that in mind, you know, luck, fame, the prepared. I've ended up being very lucky. Now, I also feel like I could have been way more prepared. And I've kind of stumbled myself right. for it and been legitimately lucky, Sure. you know, for sure. Um, but when you're like my, from the days of, of framing, you know, flooring company and framing company and leather work, I never set out to do any of this from the beginning. It was like, here's an opportunity presented in front of me. Mm-hmm. Seems interesting. Let's just kind of step into it cautiously and carefully and see where it goes. And what got me to here? And now this comes up and it's just one thing after the next.
0: So uh, what would you say, like, why do you do what you do? Like, why, why are you, you know, why did you transition? Obviously there was a need, you know, mm-hmm. and there was a passion for a belt. but like, and, and I also know that's a very loaded question. If you asked me this six years ago, I'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do you, you know, do you have a, a why to why you do this? Like yeah. why you transition from tools you know, call it in the trenches, doing the work to creating products to do the work. And now you're not doing that. Right. Um,
1: my, my favorite word for the last few years is stewardship. Okay. Um, and that applies to every aspect of life, whether that's being a dad and a husband friendships and all of that. And being that I've, I've got got a type A personality, I'm super hard on myself, really, really aggressive, angry inner critic. Um, That whole concept of stewardship, I feel like I'm I'm never as good a steward of the things I have influence over as I should be. So that's something I've got to always work through and process. But basically stewardship suggests and demands that I make the most of the opportunities that I have and nothing, I can't hang onto anything with a white knuckle grip because I'm not taking anything past the grave anyway. This isn't all about me. How can I better the world that I'm in and the environment that I'm involved in in any way that I have influence over it. So so that's where that's my motivation for how I deal with my employees and how I ended up, you know, instilling in them, instilling confidence in them and drawing back how I've brought people in to do management roles in the job because in the in the business, because I'm no longer able to be a good steward of being the custom guy, the shipping guy, the shop manager, the storefront guy. Yeah. I'm going to do a crap job of that because I'm spread too thin. No, to be a good steward of my company means I need to put people in place that can do that better than me. So that basically um, is my motivation for everything that I do in business and in personal life is it comes from stewardship um, because I want to be able to sleep at night. Yeah. You know? yeah. if, I, if I don't operate that way, I'm like, well, I'm just grasping for things I, that I, I think are going to give me value and meaning. I'm trying to create something for myself out of selfishness and that makes me sick. I, yeah, cool. you know, I, I have, an, I, have enough of my own personal struggles that I, that I, I lose sleep over, you know, the ones that I, I have a reasonable level of influence and the self-discipline to make the right decision. Um, those are things that are like no brainer decisions. And as you put those into practice and you, you employ the humility it takes to, to make those correct decisions, and then you see the benefit of it, it's like exercise you know it you work your ass off and it sucks and it hurts and then over enough time you see the benefits then that you see the the consequence of it and like oh this is worthwhile and it's helpful and it's it's uh, it's life-giving and at but at the same time it takes work and investment and self-discipline
0: yeah and and i think like and i touched on it earlier i think that why in people's life like, i kind of drank the Kool-Aid a little bit with with our old partner that Dustin and i worked with and he really pushed me to kind of get into that and if there's any entrepreneurs or business people men women listening like I I think it's so important you know what I don't not even so I shouldn't even say entrepreneurs I think in life in general yeah I think if you can kind of articulate I hate even saying it because it's not my term from the book but your why I I think it's so important and it makes like decisions and and all those things so much easier and just more authentic yeah once you once you articulate that and I I would challenge people to figure that out and, and again, doesn't actually have to be via business. Like, it mm-hmm. just gives you a lens to yes. view everything through. Like this is
1: my filter and the, the why that I can apply to everything. Yeah. And it gives you purpose.
2: Yeah. Great. And you've had, like for both of you, you've had a pretty clear idea of why, I think. And like we were talking earlier, it generates a, a natural gravity. People sense that authenticity. Mm-hmm. That you're not making a tool belt because you want to look cool. You're not making a tool belt because you're like, Oh wow, I can make tons of money making tool belts. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an authenticity to why you're making a tool belt. Mm-hmm. You know, and people can tell that. When they come into the shop and they put it on, usually there's a bunch of expletives <laughs> and it's obvious a framer made this, right? Like they're so excited. Yeah, it's not well. just some company off and who Because knows they where. could or can. Because they it's can like, make money.
0: Yeah, we would have some similar tools to make belts, but or tool belts, but mm-hmm. yeah yeah I do not want to make a
2: no no and it's the same it's the same too with like you know when we were working together and being able to make products that tell a story yeah and having having the ability on the prairies to tell the story of what's so beautiful about that place and that culture and to put that into your product and then to see people resonate with it you know and and see whatever's on that t-shirt whatever's in the on that you know tattoo style right. on that on that wallet to see that story and have it resonate with them and go yeah i want i want that I, want to, I resonate with that that narrative yeah. in my life and i think that authenticity of being able to communicate your why comes out in both your guys' work and people sense that and when they resonate with it they want to participate somehow and we've sure. had guys come into the shop over the last few weeks we've only been open not even a month and that's typically the narrative of what they talk about. Even the guys that come in that can't can't buy something in the moment, they just want to be here. They want to be around it. They want to touch it. They come in and usually everybody's like, oh, it smells so good in here, yeah. which they used to do at Populous all the time, yeah. right? And they just want to be around it. They put the tool belts on. And then one guy just felt so bad because we spent, I don't know, 45 minutes helping him figure out stuff, try stuff on, assemble a belt this way, that way. And then he's like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. But I can't, I can't buy it. I feel really bad. And he just was like so apologetic. But to be able to help him, serve him, get to know him, have him be so excited, and then have him walk out as we write down all the pieces of what he actually really wanted. And to have him go, you know, I'm going to be back. Yeah, of course. You know, when, when like Luke said, I'm going to be back when I got the money and I can't wait to be back. We've already had one guy do that and come back and buy it. Yep. And it's just a neat experience to see people. There's no, like in the storefront, there's no pressure. There's, we're not trying to like, oh, have you thought about this? Oh, right. a little add on here. Could make a few more bucks over here. Hey, a little pressure. You know, sales tactic. I'm a terrible, terrible salesman. <laughs> and so to, I think, remembering the days in Populous and watching you talk to people you're never trying to sell anybody on anything it's a genuine hey welcome here here's what we got and why you share the why right. just in yourself as a person and then over and over and over people when it's their jam they're over the moon they just yeah. like having a coffee they yeah. want to hang out then pretty soon they're bringing us donuts Oh man. Like how many macarons did we friggin' devour? You can tell cases of them. Well,
1: that's yeah. awesome. Um, yes, some kind of a kindred spirit amongst our pursuits and reasons why we're doing what we're doing. Um, who knows what the future is going to hold for both of us. But I think with that motivation and, and, uh, being prepared for good luck to fall in our lap. Yeah. Keep being yeah. positive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for being on the, on the yes. podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We could, carry on for ages here I'm sure I'm sure so uh, thanks very for, for watching and listening this has been a, a great time thanks everybody